Where is your boy tonight? I hope he is a gentleman. Maybe he won't find out what I know. You were the last good thing about this part of town. Hey, and welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Huck Breeze, and I am joined here once again by uh, my trusty co-host, Scott Shedig. Also, our tight end expert from the year before, Max Breeze. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. This is my second year in a row as the tight end expert, so I've really stayed oh, wow. claim to the position. Well, well, we are just aching to hear your secrets on now, the tight end position. Star next to your like number or something like a captain star now, like your tight ends. Yeah, star. I don't have the golden golden te yet on my jersey, but I've definitely got a star. I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm going to uh, care to guess that most of your tight end expert, you know. Whatever comes from having Travis Kelsey on your team. It's a good strategy as far as having good tight ends go. But you didn't draft him. I didn't draft him. I either I year. I haven't drafted a tight end above the last round in the draft in the last three years. In the last two years, I've led the league in tight end points. So, so two years ago, did you trade for Travis Kelsey? I did not. No, I had a number of different guys. Um, Hooper. Hooper was my big point scorer that oh, year. The hoop man. The hoop man. Yeah, he made a lot of money. Okay, well, yeah. uh, Hooper is eh, borderline irrelevant nowadays. But anyway, let's let's dive into this episode. Let's start it out light. Let's start it out light. Let's talk about uh, Loki. Did you guys watch last night's episode? No, don't give me any spoilers. Oh, really? It's such a big episode. Are you kidding me? Come I on, on. I can't invite you on the podcast. You haven't watched Loki? We're going to watch a huge episode. We're going to watch it tonight. Mute us real quick because we have a conversation to have. I don't, I mean, (laughs) I'm going to watch it tonight. It just came out. Yeah, I understand. I understand. But you watched the first, you're up to date other than this week. You you watched last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's a good show. And apparently, according to the people who uh, write for the MCU, this is uh, the most influential series to the mcu at least the the second phase or or whatever you call it uh than any other series so we're talking about you know falcon and winter soldier talking about wandavision this is has the biggest impact to the mcu than everything else combined so uh you know what we were prepared to talk about sorry that we didn't throw this in the notes uh you know with the loki update Homer. that we that i put in there uh but you haven't watched it so i guess we won't i just thought too far i thought it. you guys were just gonna talk about it like as a show like it's a good show i can contribute to that like i like we, we can yeah. say things about ruining anything because 
there are things like because one of the things I, I really see about what they they keep talking about timelines and stuff, and there is you know a known fact that they have X Men and Fantastic Four technically in the same universe. They could use this timeline situation to incorporate them in some way. Yeah, I mean, well, they have to. I mean, there's got to be some sort of new influx of superheroes coming in the next couple phases. I mean, they're going to keep this going forever. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars just keeps on going. Whether we want it to stop or not, uh, there's going to be another trilogy. You know that sometime uh, because there's just so much money to be made. So you know that X-Men will eventually be incorporated in this MCU. Uh, the, The matter is just when when will it be incorporated and so max my question is uh if you're not watching loki on wednesdays when it comes out what are you doing oh man i was working last night and uh cooking dinner and stuff i mean i cooked dinner the whole family gathers around the tv to watch loki it was a big deal i'll be honest we didn't know which night it comes on we usually watch it Friday night after work. Um, we that's when Marvel used to do their shows on Fridays because, like, we right. I, I get we used to get do like you know uh, Captain America and, and Winter Soldier Friday nights. That's stuff the thing. Like, like we'll, we'll we'll probably watch it tonight, but we want to get a good buzz on. Um, yeah. And like it's a it's an event, you know. Are are either one of you guys nerds enough to be watching the Bad Batch? No. Uh, the Bad Batch. I I I I I've seen. No, show. I've seen. I've seen the uh, the uh, the infos on that. But I mean, Star Wars, correct? Yeah, it's very deep. Star Wars. Like if you watch the Clone Wars animated series or Rebels, um, this would be kind of in a continuation of uh, of Clone Wars. And the animation started off poorly on early seasons of that, but it actually picked up very well and fills in a lot of really good. Uh, storyline plot holes and stuff for star wars in between so uh the prequels and stuff so it's it can be very good uh content but it is animated which isn't for everybody which i understand yeah um yeah and and you know maybe that's something we watch when when things get uh a, a little bit more desperate right now the mcu is really clogging my schedule especially with uh you know uh, uh black widow coming up in the next couple of weeks, that's going to be another thing that we have to put on the agenda. Anyway, uh, we will move on. How about the Euros? You guys been watching the Euro uh, soccer tournament? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's been a great tournament so far. A lot of great soccer being played. Um, I mean, Spain looks like a freaking winner stronghouse to me right now. I don't see anybody stopping them. Um, but some very interesting games coming up this week in Belgium, Italy. Great. Belgium, Italy is almost like a final. Yeah. I mean, these, these two teams are, are, uh, you know, two teams that could definitely win it all. Whoever, whoever wins that one. So that's a huge game. If you're talking about the brackets, uh, I, I feel like Belgium, Italy would be the top of theirs. And England has really proven after their, win over Germany that they could be the top of theirs if they could just win a few more over Ukraine and Denmark maybe uh, so so yeah no I, I think it's exciting Euros is exciting international soccer as a whole is exciting to me we we do have a friend uh, that we got to give a shout out to um, Matt Kozlowski who is in our 
Gridiron Fantasy Football League, who is going to be there tomorrow at the England-Ukraine oh, game. At the England-Ukraine game. I know it was disappointing to him that uh, Ukraine did beat Sweden, uh, but I think Ukraine is a team of destiny. I would not count them out against England going up tomorrow. Uh, I know England is a powerhouse, but but yeah, that is a, an interesting game. Interesting game for sure, and I hope he has a lot of fun over there. Um, but yeah, do not call Ukraine weak. Ukraine is strong. Ukraine smash. <laughs> uh, Max, you, you have not watched any of this soccer tournament. No, no, not really. I mean, it's baseball season, and so when there's day baseball on or night baseball on or any baseball on, I generally prioritize that. Um, I like. Like I, I watch a little bit of MLS in the morning sometimes. I have been to a went to an FC Dallas game like two weeks ago. That was tons of fun. Um, and then U.S. Women's. That's uh, I won't miss a game of U.S. Women's. Happy Bobby Bonilla day. Oh yes, Happy oh, Bobby, Bonilla, Bobby day. Bonilla day. Hey, for a guy that doesn't really appreciate baseball, that's really nice of you to say. I appreciate baseball. I just can't watch it. It's like golf. Like I'm not. I can't watch it. Like if I go to the game, great. If I play the game, even better. Watch it on TV. Oof, man. I I don't got the time. You don't but the Bobby golf. Golf is no. Isn't isn't terrible. I mean, let's not. Oh, I love golf. But like on TV, you gotta watch 18 holes. I like. Yeah. Man, I got a lot of things to do in my day, and that ain't it. I'll watch it if I have you know something wagered on it for sure. But I'm, uh, I like, I'd rather be playing it. Like, let's go play 18 holes. Great. Of course, of course. But, you know, as a sports fan, I will watch any sport being played, especially if I have some kind of weight in the game. Uh, but, but yeah, no, Euros. Uh, thanks for the Bobby Bonilla reference, by the way. <laughs> and anybody who doesn't know uh, what's happening is that uh, Bobby Bonilla, back in the late 90s, I believe, uh, signed a contract with the Mets, uh, a $30 million contract. Is it 30? It might have been a $40 million contract. And he deferred every year. He gets paid a million dollars for 40 years. So Bobby Bonilla hasn't really played for the Mets uh, for, wow, God. Since, 90. since the 90s or early 2000s. And so he is halfway through. Uh, or a little bit more than halfway through his contract with the Mets, and he gets paid a million dollars a year on July 1st, every day or every year uh, for for a really long time. So um, for you economists, that might teach you a thing or two. Uh, you know, it's it's a good way to spread out your money, and sometimes deferred money is good money. Uh, just something to think about but uh all right let's get in some nfl news let's 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 move on uh Shedig, he asked specifically that we talk about washington football team and their fines and we've talked about so many good things fantasy wise about washington football team and how they've built their team and bringing in fitzpatrick and all these different things and now I feel like we're taking a step back. Scott, do you want to talk about this? It's not a step back. I think, you know, while the NFL is trying to trying to do something right about like changing their culture, which obviously does need to be changed and 
a dramatic fashion. Um, I just don't think a $10 million fine was really the right way to do it. Um, it was a way to do it, basically. Um, it probably wasn't the best way to do it because like, I don't, if that's what's happening there, then you probably need to fire some people or suspend some people or something. Like you probably need to like see who all the pink fingers are pointing at and then deal with that. But if they're all pointing at Dan Snyder, then uh, what are you going to do? I guess. Exactly. But, yeah. And so, I mean, and when the, it's a culture thing, it's usually stemming from the top and that's why. And now he has his wife stepping in as co-CEO going, Oh my God, I didn't know this was. Oh, did you not know what's going on? Ghislaine Maxwell? Like, ooh. yeah, but it's not really like, <laughs> It, it's kind of it's kind of like all right, and then he might have also used this to lower the uh, the price of buying up the rest of the guys that uh, rest of the owners, which could have been like you know a secretly genius ingenious idea, or just be like fuck it. If I'm going down this rabbit hole, let me make it profitable for myself. So because he has 100 percent control of the company now, but it's like like I said, it, it's an it's a thing, but it's you know 10 million dollars to a 3.4 billion dollar. Uh, franchise it's it's you know you're throwing a, a pebble at a slap dolphin. on the wrist slap on the wrist for sure uh, to me i feel like this organization's run absolutely terribly now what they're doing on the field is actually is actually improving i think what they're doing is good and i think they'll be a pretty uh good team this year but uh i i think that the past washington football team culture has definitely caught up to them. Uh, you know, we're talking about cheerleader photo shoots where they were asked to get nude. Uh, you know, other different sexual harassment charges and whatnot. It's just, it's not something you see every day with these teams. Um, the news that his wife would be half CEO. I feel like, and I'm not trying to be sexist here. I I, I feel like is either a a PR move uh, to try to be like, hey, a woman now controls. It's working. It, it now controls. She's in, she's this, in control, kind of. Yeah, she's uh, half in control. So uh, you know, all these sexual harassment charges makes me believe that you know she deserved half the company. Or B, it's, you know, just a, a move to say, hey, I love you. And here's a uh, here's a piece of the company or here's a piece of the team. Either way, it's just, it's, investigation it's, came back and said, I'm, I'm a huge creep. No, it's a signal. Yeah. It's a signal to the NFL. Like, listen, I'm, we're listening to you. Look, boobs. And she's running yeah. things. She got yeah. boobs. Yeah, I mean, it's a small percentage of owners in the NFL or CEOs in the NFL who are female. So it's nice to see diversity. It is. Uh, it's just a weird timed event to announce uh, when you're getting fined. You know, a few days later, the PR team could have timed that, uh, I, I think, a little better just to make it a little less obvious. But, you know it's it is what it is and and washington football team it doesn't make me any less i'm not a washington football team fan i've never been a washington football team fan i've been challenged not to say the name of the team that i'm used to saying and i will not say it because it's racially insensitive and i agree with that uh but i i will say that uh that even though i'm not a fan i am excited about the team that they're putting on the field this year. 
I think that they are headed in the right direction. And, uh, and I think they have a good future ahead of them, especially in a, a, a division like the NFC East, which last year we thought halfway through the year, uh, you know, anybody could win that division, no matter of win or loss record. It was it was actually pretty pitiful. So, well, the current state of the team and the current culture of the team all revolves around Ron Rivera, and that's all positive and that's all great. Uh, but the like this ten million dollar fine is is total evidence of the difference between uh Roger Goodell as a commissioner and like Adam Silver as a commissioner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if Adam Silver was commissioner of the NFL, which by the way he's the commissioner of the NBA for anybody that doesn't know that, um they could have used this as an excuse to force him to sell the team. Because at the end of the day, Dan Snyder is bad for He's just bad as an NFL owner, PR wise. He's bad money wise. Like the the negotiations that he has with uh, with the TV stations there, the negotiations negotiations he has about getting a new stadium there. It's all just awful. Like I know this. I, I lived with the Washington Redskins fan for four years uh, before they were the football team, and. Like he, he talked to me about this and Bruce Allen all the time. I hate Bruce Allen. And when Bruce Allen got fired and Ron Rivera was put in charge of the team, it was, I mean, since then it's just been night and day difference. They're not a joke of a franchise anymore, but ultimately until Dan Snyder gets out of there, it's, there's going to be some level of dysfunction. And I just, I think they, I mean, the $10 million fine is a joke. It's an absolute joke given how much money these people have, but also they missed out on an opportunity to force a huge sale, um, which they are in their right to do and get another owner in there. Maybe uh, for PR reasons, like try and figure out a way to get a primarily African-American ownership group in there, you know, like that would be the first in the NFL. So I don't know. I, I saw this news and I was like, okay, more, more terrible NFL stuff. Nothing new here. Yeah. I, well, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I just don't see them doing that because they're still the most profitable uh, uh, sports uh, sports league in the world. So they don't need to fix the ship too much. They just need to not rock the boat that much, basically. Just tell them to just just keep your shit under wraps, basically. You know. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at a situation where we can compare it to like Donald Sterling in the NBA, where he was forced to sell after some incriminating racist remarks that he made on tape. Uh, it was remarks. It was remarks. It wasn't naked pictures of people. It wasn't sexual allegations or anything like that. It was remarks. And, this, and he was it, forced to sell the team. In this country, in this climate right now, and just how America is, uh, racial climate and and very deservedly uh, is way more important than sexual climate. It just is. And I know that's terrible to compare the two or rank the two or whatever. Uh, but I mean, we look at the Trevor Bauer thing that's going on right now. Uh, that is secondhand news, I think, compared to some of the racial things that happen if people if somebody uses a racial slur we've looked at uh who was that philadelphia eagles and the re receiver riley cooper Riley that's Cooper. like that's all he's known for now exactly and uh whatever 
I mean, there's been sexually uh, charged charges or, or, you know, criminality with different NFL, NBA, MLB players in the past. I'm not saying they get brushed on the rugs. They are important and they do get charged and they do get suspended and whatever. But the moment you make a racially charged incident, the moment that you cross that boundary, uh, you are really, really uh, crossing a line and that might end your career. So whether that's right or wrong, I'm not commenting on. I, I don't think that one trumps the other because I I honestly think both are awful and both should be prosecuted to the fullest extent. But what I'm saying is right now, especially in the NFL, if you were to do something racial, uh, you would be prosecuted a little bit harsher than if you were going to do something uh, sexual criminal. So it's just my take. It may be a wrong take. It's just you know, how I perceive it, but let this not take away from how we view the Washington football team. The ownership is shit. It sucks. They're scum. Dan Snyder, I agree, is probably somebody that needs to be replaced, Uh, you know, especially with this PR move that just kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Uh, But I think that I can watch their team and under my breath cheer for this team and Fitzpatrick and Scary Terry and, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, et cetera, and kind of put that out of my head and uh, separate the two. And I would. It doesn't even have to be like under your breath. It's, it's, you know, you're not like, oh, you root for the football team. So you love sex crime. No, like that's. It's completely separate. It's I just I still think it's just a it's, it's like saying you're oh you're a Texans fan oh then you love terrible trade trade away right, your best players huh it's no like, oh, you love I'm just a Texans fan you, know? you love uh, sexual massages I mean yeah, yeah. it's the same yeah, you love, you love Texas fan yeah. but hey no listen I was, a big fan of, <laughs> I was a big fan of Michael Vick Michael Vick was one of my favorite yeah, players yeah yeah and and so I'm sitting here like all right he went to jail and he served time in jail and then he got out and became one of the best players in the NFL over again. And when I said that and had conversations with people about that, I felt dirty. I felt absolutely dirty, dirty but it was true. But But did his time. He did his time. Yeah. He went to jail and he, and he, but it's just how you feel in there are controversial, controversial subjects and MLB, NBA, You know, and I'm too much of a dog person to forgive life. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just get it. So. I get it. I get it. No, um, I understand. Um, but, but you know, to each his own. All right, let's let's move on to the next subject here. Um, week 14 buys. Good lord, NFL. Uh, you know, not only are we adding a week, but now we're moving buys all the way back to week 14, which absolutely puts a or throws a wrench in everybody's playoff schedule fancy playoff schedule guys um first of all the first thing i want to ask you is is there any piece of you that enjoys week 17 i'm sorry week 18 in the nfl um 
And the second question I want to ask you is, how does this affect our our season? I mean, what would you do fantasy wise uh, with with this these constructions that the the NFL has made? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be a little controversial. Uh, as soon as I heard week 18, I was like, "Fuck yeah, longer season." That's it. That's all I had in mind. Cool, another regular season game. Totally on board. I hate all the things that it does for fantasy, all the, like this hurdle that we have, but it's a longer season. There's more football. Fantastic. um, I'm all for it. I I'm sure the players hate it, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I get sad uh, week 16, week 17. Cause even if I'm not in the fantasy playoffs, I'm doing daily fantasy. I'm still watching uh, football on Sundays. Like it is what it is. Yeah. I agree with that, Shetty. What do you what do you think about uh, eighteen weeks? Do you think that's a? Uh... I'm on the other. I'm in the other end zone, man. I I just I, I'm not a fan. It's a slippery slope. The reason I'm not a fan of regular season baseball and basketball is because they diluted the sport by adding way too many regular season games. The best teams don't win the championship. The healthiest teams win the championship. The healthiest teams going into the playoffs win the championship. You will have an amazing team in the regular season every single year. And then a couple guys will get hurt later on and they'll limp into the playoffs and look like a fucking joke. And who gets the hottest team there gets wins the championship. So by adding an 18th, 18th week, that just makes another chance for guys to get hurt right before the postseason when it really matters, when it was really when anybody's going to remember anything. So can't say I'm a fan. Uh, I didn't think about the fantasy aspect until later. We'll figure it out one way or another uh not too worried about that so i mean obviously this is purely financial by the nfl and there's no other reason but to uh try to gain some of the this revenue back from what they lost during the pandemic which is fair i guess from a financial standpoint of the nfl but from our standpoint it kind of waters down the fantasy season and waters down the regular season um we're, we're, we're talking about more games that we have to push through, another game that you have to throw on the NFL schedule that uh, may or may not be advantageous to the players. Obviously, m- most players are against this. <laughs> uh, they have to do more for you know mostly the same amount of money. Um, I know they get one extra paycheck. It's probably not worth it to them. Um, it's sad that some that that the NFL would do something so blatantly financial. I mean, there really is no, you know, when they split divisions in certain spots and they, you know, try to restructure playoffs and stuff like that. It's for the fans, uh, you know, advantage, or it's for you know what what people want this uh is blatantly for an extra couple bucks and and it, it, it's sad to see uh, as far as fantasy is concerned it throws a huge wrench in what we're doing if you had what we have which is a 14 team league that we are going on uh, year 
nine or 18 year 18 we are on year 18 of of our uh of the gridiron you know tutelage um how would you make a change here would you add a week to the fantasy season would you start a week later would you have a bye week tell me your thoughts on this shedding I definitely don't want to start a week later. Watching week one without a without fantasy would be awful. It's a nightmare. Uh, yeah, that, that'd just be absolutely awful. So definitely not that. Um, I, I, I'm fine with the playing to somebody twice and, you know, just letting it be random. I, I don't know if you even can you manu- manually set one week. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You can set uh, through Yahoo. Uh, standard fantasy leagues you can set just one week uh to be whoever you want to play um i mean that's random or if we decide on setting it either way either way is fine to me i don't it doesn't really matter to me because if the way we're deciding on setting it if it's the person you're next to your draft uh, that you finished last year it's always gonna be technically random anyways right no i understand Max, what's your uh, opinion on this? I stand by my expansion idea. I still think, and like it's, I, like we could add a game. Yes, if you just just add a game and that's it, that's a pretty easy fix. Um, people are going to complain about it, but at, like was said in the group text um, today, the league's going to complain about everything. It's one of the beautiful parts of the league is everybody's going to complain about everything all the time, especially when it comes to rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I think this is a great opportunity to add a 15th team and have one team on by every week and have that by week be random. Like I, I don't want anybody going into the draft going, all right, I'm drafting both quarterbacks with a sixth week by. But what I can tell you is if I draft and I have, let's say, two quarterbacks, one with a week 11 by and one week with a week 13 by, um, and I all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't matter what my bye week is, but I have incentive to trade with people that have that bye week. Like if I have a mid-level third-round quarterback and somebody, he has the same bye week that somebody else has, like somebody has their eighth week bye and I have a quarterback with that bye week, they're going to naturally want that player more than anybody else like this there's going to be less quarterbacks available in general i think there would only be uh two quarterbacks total just available like beyond the the 30 starters Mm -hmm. but it would force some of those trades it would influence trade value it would influence draft strategy it it would influence just a heck of a lot and everybody gets you know a bye week and we still all only face each other once nothing else changes top eight teams still make the playoffs and we get new blood in the league. I'm sure there's a, everybody's got at least one person in mind where it's like, okay, this person's been in the junior league for a while and is on the waiting list or whatever. Finding somebody to come with us to Colorado at this point with, with the high demand that the league is in. I don't think that's difficult. Um, I think it's, it's the most drastic, but also the best option we have uh, for the league this year, I know I'm I'm in the gross minority there. I didn't see a single person on board with the idea in the group text, but I yeah. still I like it. My rebuttal on that is that 
we hate on not having it, it pushing it back a week and not having football in week one. It's just the same as if it's in week four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If you have a bye week in fantasy, it's just brutal. What am I going to do that week? What what what, what happens? What, what do I do on Sunday? Team, like my team scored two hundred thirty points on my bye week. What do I do on Sunday? <laughs> Who do I talk shit to? Like what what happens? Do I go to the farmers market? Market? What? What? I mean, this is outside the ordinary. I wouldn't want. I I, I wouldn't know where to put my hands. I'll tell you I what you do. You, you get your house in order. Okay. You sit there and go. All right. Uh, like. I am going to trade for guys. I am going to do some ad drops. I'm going to get my roster prepared. And I'm going to tell everybody, you know, go out there on the field. Don't leave it all out on the field. Bring some back with you. You know, I tell my quarterback, listen, maybe hand the ball off a little bit more this week. You know, take, take some, take some snaps off. Um, I don't know. Like I understand it's a, it's a week off fantasy football and that's probably the worst part of it, but uh, I, I think everybody in the league is in multiple fantasy leagues. Not that they care about the other ones, but it's not like, I, I don't know if I'm on my bye week I'm still going to watch football. And as the team on my bye week I also expect to be the person that's reached out to the most by other people with trade offers. Cause they're going to go, I need to win this week and my wide receivers on by, I need to win this week and my tight ends on by. Wow. Whether I'm in other leagues or not has nothing to do whether I want my attention to be on my most important league though because right. having everybody body, has their number one up, yeah and it's it's yeah exactly it's it's my number one so it's like you know this to have like like i said what are your if your team blows up that week and you're on a bye week which is you know that's going to happen someone someone's going to be someone would be just absolutely livid there's and, it's the fantasy football season everyone is livid all the time but it's not <laughs> but because we're creating a bye week we're creating a void, though, by doing that. Yeah, I I think that the best way to do this, and unfortunately, the downside of this is saying goodbye to all the old records that we have, yeah. season-long records that we have, um, and and wins records and whatever, because we are our league, and I don't know about anybody who's listening in in their leagues, but we have a league that really prides itself on statistics whether it be wins, points scored, points for in the season, uh, you know, really standing behind that and really uh, being proud of that. And if you add in a 15th week, you are pretty much throwing, you know, the asterisk that we threw on Babe Ruth versus Roger Maris versus Barry Bonds and all kinds of asterisks. You, you raise all these conversations and all these arguments of that but i think it's inevitable i think that things change and we adapt um and the way that we should do this kind of should mirror the nfl schedule and when i say that i mean that in the nfl the first team in division plays the first team in another division based on whatever year you know that is um i i think that if we did it that way and one played two, three played four, four, uh, five played six, et cetera, all the way down to 14. Uh, you create some rivalries. You could, uh, it would make it fair and you know exactly 
after the season ended, who your week 14, you wouldn't know one through 13, obviously, but you know who your week 14 opponent would be uh, in, in January and February. It might be something exciting to think about. Um, it's, a, it's something we'll vote, out, uh, vote on in Colorado, which is where our draft is this year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's something to think about. It's like it was said earlier today, it's no one's ever going to be 100% happy. It's not going to happen. No one's ever 100% happy with anything ever. Um, been during the fantasy football season, like Max said, it's 100% yes. right. <laughs> Everybody is upset about something all the forever, time. Forever, forever, forever. I can't believe you're just throwing around the term asterisks like that's going to fly. Like, like there isn't one member of the league that isn't just ridiculously erect at the thought of throwing around more asterisks. Well, okay, what I'm saying is on records, okay? So so people own records for, you know, season-long points, most wins in the season, which still couldn't be broken. I mean, I, I think uh, John Breeze still owns the most wins in the season in the gridiron, which was uh, 12, 12 and one uh, in the regular season. And, you know, if obviously you have 14 weeks to settle that out, it makes it a little different than 13. So um, you know, things get rattled when you add one more week, uh, you, you know, uh, it's, it changes the way we look positionally at quarterbacks and running backs right now, a quarterbacks uh, points that we look at is between the best quarterbacks are in between 450 and 500. Well, now we're looking at quarterbacks who are between 475 and 525. It's just how it's going to uh, work in a season-long, you know, atmosphere. So we'll just have to see. Um, but I've said my two cents. I'm sure you guys have put in your two cents. So let's keep it rolling here. Uh, why do we come here? Why do we why did we come here for this podcast? We came here to talk about tight ends. Is tight ends a barren wasteland? Uh, should you wait on it this year? Max, tell me, what do you think? I am always team wait on tight ends. I just am. Like, because if you don't get the top two or the top three, the value above replacement just isn't there. It just isn't. Like if you look at a points per week standpoint, it like you've got Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. And if you're willing to draft one of the top four rounds, go get them. If not, uh, you can wait. You can wait for as long as you as long as you want. Like, and I have nothing against Mark Andrews and Gronk and whoever else is going to be drafted too high. Trevor's going to take Noah Fant like the fourth round. Um and just to be clear, you did not draft either. So you've been tied in an expert the last two years, and neither of these guys, Austin Hooper nor Travis Kelsey, you drafted. Uh, no, Austin Hooper, I picked up before week one of the season. I dropped whoever I drafted. They sucked. Um, and then I, and then yeah, I traded for Kelsey last year on my honeymoon. Pretty sure I was I was texting and trading and wheeling and dealing, hammer drunk on rum drinks, um, and yeah, no, I I didn't draft Kelsey, I didn't draft Hooper, I just picked him up off waivers. So what did what did you trade for Kelsey? Do you remember? I can't, but I can go look it up. It won't take. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Is like, I mean, it's worth it. 
I'm pretty sure it was a quarterback. I, if I had to guess, it would be a, a quarterback or something. It was John Riggs. It was big trade. Recall. Big, big trade. trade. Yeah, big trade. Big yeah. trade for sure. Big trade. Um, big trade. Big, big trade. I, you know, again, if you're not going to get one of those top two guys, I, that's just the way I feel. A lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people probably think that there's a chance that we'll have a year where there's a top five you know, top five tight ends that are a cut above. Um, sorry, I'm looking for the trade now. Yep. It was with the FUPA Slayer on September 30th. I traded him Ben Roethlisberger, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Renfro for Sam Darnold, Travis Kelsey, and Adam Thielen. Big trade. Big trade. So, and I, obviously it paid off. I mean, I didn't win or anything, but it paid off. Travis Kelsey was an outstanding tight end last year. He was better than most wide receivers. Yep. Uh, I think those, top tier three guys, those top tier guys can do that. Yep. Uh, but you advocate on not spending a high draft pick on them. So you spent a high draft pick on Ben Roethlisberger and then decided to flip him for Travis Kelsey. So isn't that kind of, you know, if I was trading it one for one, I'd completely agree. But I mean, I I drafted Ben Roethlisberger high, and is the value of Ben Roethlisberger over Darnold worth Kelsey and Adam Thielen? Because I would argue that it's not. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was obviously a better fantasy quarterback last season than Sam Darnold. Yeah, than Sam Darnold. But Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he was behind uh, Matt Ryan and Derek Carr. He really fell off. The he, second he, half of the season. I mean, the he, first half of the season, he he was on top of the world. Second half of the season, he looked like he couldn't throw a ball. Uh, the Steelers' offense could not move. I'm sure Shedding knows all about that. Um, but but yeah, you definitely traded him at the right time. I, I agree yeah. with that. I mean, trade him trade him while he's hot. You know, sell yeah, it was, high. It, it was a sell high, and I think the return I got for that early round pick is worth it. I think there's always. There's always a return that makes a deal like that worth it. You know, I've seen, we saw Patrick Mahomes traded to you last year. Yeah. Wait, um, I mean, I, that was pre-draft. Yeah. Still, still stupid. But, still. But I completely agree with your tight end strategy part for this because it's, it's really, I think tight ends are the pinnacle position of tiers because it's so cut and dry between about one or two, maybe three guys at the top if you're lucky and then about a group of about five or six that are going to be stuck at about maybe five, 150 to so points. And then it drops off like a cliff after that. So like if when you see those runs happen on tight ends, if you're if you're not on the first one, which can go very quickly, if you're not if you miss the second one, then you're kind of fucked on tight ends and you're probably going to be end up spending, you know, a couple moves, four or five moves during the season on tight ends and or make a, tr- a big trade for them. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. So the I will go even further on your cliff drop off. Um, if we are talking about and and we are jumping in so early to this, but if we are talking about targets, uh, let's talk about Logan Thomas. Uh, Logan Thomas, I believe, was fourth in targets um, and scored. About 150 points. I think it was 154, which would have put him in receiver terms at T.Y. Hilton. 
And if anybody recalls how T.Y. Hilton's year went last year, uh, it was not good. It was not good at all. So I mean, talking- I got plenty of opinions about Logan Thomas, but we're not on to the NFC East yet. So when, when we get there, I true. I'm just saying that yeah. if we're talking well, why don't about, we jump in? Oh, let's jump in. That's fine. That's fine. You want to jump, jump in? in? You want to jump, jump in? Jump let's in. Jump in. I'm gonna let's, jump in, kind of guy. Let's jump in. Well, before that, can we do some trivia? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's trivia. You want to jump in some trivia? All right. Yeah. I'll ask. I'll ask trivia here. If you guys don't mind, give me, and I already gave you one, give me the top five uh, tight ends and receptions. Okay. It's Travis Kelsey. Okay. Uh, Jordan Kittle. Yeah. Wrong. Kittle was not there. Kittle was uh, hurt. I got hurt. Yeah. Oh, uh, last year, last year specifically. Darren Waller. Yes. Darren Waller, obviously. Darren Waller is number one. Yeah, he's awesome. Yes, he's great. Uh, I want to see Mark Andrews, but I don't think it's. Mark I gave Andrews. you one, so Logan Thomas. Logan yeah. Thomas, number three. What about uh, T.J. Hawkinson? T.J. Hawkinson, number four. Okay, yeah. gotta thread that number. Here. Fifth one. Number five. I just don't think you'll get because I just, he just wasn't owned Gusecki? very much. Because I know. Is it uh, so? Tunyon had 11 touchdowns. Did he have receptions? Not even close. Okay. But yes, you know, he caught 53 of 59 balls and for 11 touchdowns. So, yeah, no, uh, Tunyon. They, they should have fed Tunyon. That's yeah. a little Tunyon if you want some Tunyon, yeah. Some Tunyon ranks. Um, is it Dallas Goddard? No, no. but I thought you I, you were getting close there. Um, I, no fan? No. I'm I'm telling you guys, you oh, just is it, is it okay, Dalton so Schultz? Dalton it is, Schultz. It is Dalton Schultz. Okay, because I said Dallas and you said I was close. Yeah, Dalton Schultz was uh number five in receptions for tight ends, which is just ugh. Dalton Schultz had sixty-three, tied with Evan Ingram also at fifty-three. Uh, but just to show you the tight end drop-off in receptions, uh, after that, we're talking about Noah Fan, Hunter Henry, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Eric Ebron, Mike Gusecki in order, and then Robert Tunyon, who we talked about. Um, but Dalton Schultz had 63, uh, which was only four behind TJ Hawkinson. So we're talking about a real big cliff. Now, let's another trivia question here. Uh, two tight ends that were tied with most TDs. This should be easy. So Tunyon's got to be one. Tunyon. And then Kelsey. Kelsey. Tunyon and Kelsey both had 11 last year, which is quite the high amount. I mean, if you, even if we're talking about receivers. Last question. And this is going to be uh, tough. This is going to be tough. Um, bonus, if you can give me the year. Since 2006, I know we've been playing since 2003, but we're going to do 2006. Prior, you might have some uh, Antonio Gates that might have beat this, but I I, I really seriously doubt it. Um, Who had the best tight end season fantasy point-wise since 2006? 
Max, go ahead and give me a guess. Hey, uh, I don't know, Gronk, like 2015? Got the guy right. Okay. Cause I, Shetty, I, can you give me a year? I think I'm in range. 20, 2016 or 20, no, 2017? I think, it's, I think it's earlier. It was Rob Gronkowski 2011. Yeah. 2011. Okay. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Uh, right behind that is Travis Kelsey, 2020. Yeah, he was really good. So what we're discussing today is somebody who probably, I mean, if we're talking about the last 20 years, we're talking about some of the highest tight end scoring years ever in the history of the NFL. Uh, and Travis Kelsey uh, you know, only I think that it says it's 20 points behind uh, Gronk in 2011 was just a step above 17 touchdowns, 90 receptions, 1,327 yards. So he cleared Kelsey uh, by six touchdowns, probably gave him that little boost, lost to him by 80 yards and 15 receptions. But, um, you know, whatever. Uh, if we're talking about Travis Kelsey, if we're talking about all-time tight end seasons, 2018, 2019, and 2020, in the top 15 seasons ever by a tight end, um, he is number two, uh, number 15, and number four. So two, four, and 15 in those rankings. So we're talking about an unprecedented tight end here in Travis Kelsey, somebody who's really dominant. And the reason that we have Max on the show today. Um, but yeah, just a little preemptive trivia there to just kind of introduce us to what we're doing, but we'll jump in. Let's jump in. Okay. You guys ready to jump in? You got your swimsuits on? I'm um, ready to jump in. We've been ready to jump in. We've been talking okay. about jumping in. Okay. AFC South. Oh, oh boy. Max, do you have anybody to talk about in the AFC South? I sure do. I really have have more of a team to talk about in the AFC South uh, because I don't know who the starting tight end is going to be. As of right now, it looks like it's a guy named Man Hurts. (laughs) The Jacksonville Jaguars on their depth chart right now list a guy whose last name is, and I I can't remember what team he's on. I know I've seen him before because I commented on it immediately as soon as I saw the back of his jersey. Man Hurts is their current starting tight end. And uh, but Tebow also just in that depth chart worth noting, not something I'd hate to see. Definitely somebody I would, I would uh, not hate to own. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start with Jags tight end. As of right now, man hurts as my AFC South call out. All the guys that I talk about are guys that I'm hoping will be available 15th round or later, by the way, um, because you know, every single talk- one throughout the whole podcast. Every single one that I pick from each division is somebody that I hope to be available in the 15th round or later. They might not be, um, but we'll see. So man hurts. The reason I like him is because despite the fact that you don't think about Jacksonville last season as a big fantasy tight end developer, they had uh, Tyler Eifert, um, Mm -hmm. 
who, you know, got injured the way he does. But between all of their tight ends last year, Jacksonville, Jacksonville had 102 targets. Um, and that's just something that kind of happens with teams that have bad offensive lines, which they still do. Uh, teams that traditionally go use a lot of play action, which they've got the running backs to do it. They've got James Robinson and Travis Etienne. And they have a rookie quarterback. I understand, you know, they've got DJ Chark and he can throw it deep. They'll they'll probably have some really interesting packages running with Urban Meyer. But at the end of the day, a safety valve is a safety valve. And rookie quarterbacks need those, especially when they have an offensive line like the Jags have. So just from a pure targets perspective, I could see whoever ends up being on top of that depth chart backing into... I don't know, 600 yards and seven touchdowns, which to that's, that's top 12 that's tight end Thomas. value. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and that's not incredible. That's not even 50 yards a game, but it's, you know, it's really solid. I'd take it. I'd take it in the very last round. So keep your eyes on man hurts, man hurts, okay. man hurts. Shattuck, what do you got? I, I like a lot of what he said there. I mean, he's right. I mean, you get, they've got a rookie quarterback. He's going to need what, like a safety valve. Um, you know, I think I, I, I just worry about the Tebow factor because I know he's doing very well in camp. People keep talking about him. So, you never know. So, I mean, that, that just could be an issue there for him. But I, I do I do like what he's saying about the targets and everything. Personally, I'm more of a Mo Alley-Cox kind of guy. Oh. Uh, I, think, I think Carson Wentz is all about his tight ends. Mm-hmm. I think he made uh, Dallas Goddard and uh, Zach Ertz a premier tight ends, even when they were both started or both on the field or uh, sharing time, excuse me. So I think that he's going to look to him a lot in the, in the red zone and on the, on the field in general, just because that's where his safety blanket is. And he needs to get right again. That's what Carson Wentz is trying to do right now. He needs to get his head right again. He needs to get his mojo going again. I think his tight end is where he, he feels safest. So I, I think that Mo Alley Cox is set for a big year this year. And he used to play basketball. I don't know if you know that. So he could really go up. There you go. Okay. Jimmy Graham style. Uh, let me preemptively say uh, the AFC South is the trashiest division for tight ends. It is just garbage. Uh, if we're talking about the collective tight ends, this is not somebody that you want to reach up and get. Uh, the, these, this division is very poor when it comes to tight ends. Hopefully not soon. I mean, my favorite team, Texans uh, with Jordan Akins, you know, obviously they will – have their ups and downs. Jordan Akins will catch his touchdowns, et cetera. But the guy I want to talk to today is Anthony Ferkser. So um, Johnny Smith's out of town. He got shipped off to New England to be up there with Belichick. Um, and that offense is looking pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, with Julio Jones uh, and A.J. Brown. So, uh, you know, there's going to open up some spots in the middle there. We're going to see some, some uh, you know, corners, nickel corner or nickel backs uh, be sucked out to Julio and A.J. Brown. We're going to see some safeties also be sucked out that way. And you might see some open spots in the middle there for Ferkser. Um, again, I don't think that Ferkser is going to be the main tight end. Uh, he did catch 39 out of 53 balls thrown at him last year for 65 points. 
Um, so I think that he is probably the main guy there. But if you're looking for a tight end in the AFC South, specifically for whatever reason, uh, Anthony Ferkser is probably your guy to pick there, in my opinion. Now, I didn't, no offense to Manhurts, no offense to Mo Alley Cox. Um, but let's let's move on to some divisions with tight ends that maybe we'll consider drafting before the last round. How about the AFC East? Max, do you have anything for the AFC East? I sure do, Huck. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and the AFC East, so you mentioned Jonu Smith is no longer with uh, with the Titans. True. You know, he's with the Patriots. But let me tell you right now, uh, that's not the tight end I want in New England. The tight end I want in New England is a guy named Hunter Henry. So Cam Newton last year was an absolute disaster. Um, part of it is because of Cam, because he's just doesn't have the arm talent anymore. Part of it is like Jacoby Myers should not be a number one wide receiver on anybody's team. So Belichick went classic Belichick and was like, give me two big old tight ends. And let me tell you, based off the profile on these two guys, I think Jonu Smith is the is going to be running more deep technical routes. I think they have Jonu Smith line up out wide a lot. Um, yeah. But then once they get in close, Hunter Henry is the guy that they throw to. So last season, Jonu Smith was one of the best tight ends in all football in yards after catch. Um, but didn't have the trustiest hands in the game. That's why I'm saying like, like while he got two yards after catch more on average, more than Hunter Henry, I just, I think they're going to use him for his athleticism. He's just going to be a crazy mismatch. He's still going to be a fine tight end. I think both should probably be drafted just as wide receiver one and wide receiver two for the Patriots. But uh, Hunter Henry is the one who's going to be collecting touchdowns. Fun little fact for you. Uh, Cam Newton, or whoever was being lining up at quarterback for New England last year, they threw 419 passes last year, and only 27 of those passes even targeted tight ends. So that's how bad. Like we're, we're talking Ryan Izzo, we're talking uh, whoever the guy is. I think Asiasi, um, Devin Asiasi, who you know who saw that coming that that they were going to have issues at tight end. So they went out, they fixed that. This is going to be a night and day different offense this year. Not saying it's going to be a good one, but if there's touchdowns, it's going through Hunter Henry. I think he's getting double digits this year and I hope he's available late in the draft. Yeah. Shadi, what are your thoughts on this division? I mean, I love everything he was saying. I think that uh, this, this, whole division is very interesting for tight end in general um, because I could definitely see the Patriots going that, you know, having two big tight ends being, uh, being important in their offense again, like they did in the Super Bowl runs back in the day with uh, uh, Gronkowski and Aaron, Aaron Hernandez murderer. Hernandez. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Aaron jailbird there, but uh, it's, you know, I could definitely see that happening again, but there's other tight ends in this league, in this division that are very interesting as well, because Mike Gusecki for me with, in Miami is still a fantastic tight end to take. He may, he might jump up again and do even better than he did last year with even in spite of Tua, 
who is awful, but is awful enough to only be able to throw to Mike Kosecki. So that can be your, uh, that can be your, you know, saving grace right there. But I'm really very interested in the Zach Ertz trade to Buffalo. That could be very interesting that, you know, I mean, uh, uh, there's been great play by Josh Allen last year, throwing the ball. I mean, you saw the immediate connection to Stefan Diggs. If he has another big uh, receiving option. Zach Ertz could be, could be red zone money right there. And then even on the Jets, you have a rookie quarterback. What's a rookie quarterback love to do? Throw it to his tight end. So you, I, I think it, it's an interesting division for tight ends overall. Uh, my pick would be Mike Gusecki, though. That's what I'm going with for the AFC East. I'm glad you said in spite of Tua, because that's the first thing that jumped to my mind. I was like, man, Kaseki's great, but Tua, but in spite but, of Tua's, they, they yeah. doubled down by not by not drafting a quarterback in the draft. I mean, they they could have drafted a quarterback in the draft, and they definitely should have. And they said, "No, we got Tua," and everybody's like, <laughs> <laughs> "I I hope Tua pans out, man. It'd be cool. Like, there should be a left-handed quarterback in the league. That's good at football, you know. Like, I I, I don't know why I want that, but I do." Yeah. It's not about being left-handed. It's about he, it's about his decision-making. He doubts himself, and the second he doubts himself, his first option is gone. And by the time he gets to his second option, he's by doubting himself in the first option, he took a second away to get to the second option. And by the time he gets there, his second option's already gone. And by the time he even gets the third option, now he's scared of the rush. And then it's all over. And that's every single play for the guy. And it's just like, dude, just get him off the field. It's just, it's over. It's over over before he got there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. Well, I, I, I think you're correct in that. I thought maybe I was the only one that wasn't in on Tua. I think there's a lot of people who aren't in on Tua. And if he does come out. Miami's the only one. I think if he does come out and be a successful quarterback, there will be a few people who are like, Hey, I told you so. Uh, And they will stand by the fact that they thought Tua would be a good quarterback for a long time. I didn't see it last year. Uh, But again, we're talking about people like Peyton Manning coming out and throwing, setting, you know, quarterback records for uh, interceptions and stuff. At least he was moving the ball down the field. It didn't look like Tua wanted to move the ball down the field, which makes me shy away from Gusecki. Uh, they do have some good receivers over there in Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. So, you know, maybe he's somebody that you can target. I'm just not personally interested. Uh, I'm going to agree with Max here. I think that Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry combo. Now things change uh, with Zach Ertz it being in Buffalo. I don't think Zach Ertz is a top 10 tight end ever again. Um, I, I think that, no matter what, whether it be Carson Wentz or um, or or Jalen Hurts or whoever, uh, that no matter what, Zach Ertz was not going to be a good quarterback or a good tight end. Um, I just think he's past the age where he can be a dominant uh, receiving tight end. So I, I, I like Jonu and I like Hunter Henry. Um, it's just going to be hard to decide between the two um, on a weekly basis. That's my only concern. I think that they will split time getting tight end or touchdowns. Um, there will be weeks where, uh, and I'm assuming it's going to be Cam Newton. Um, there will be weeks that Cam Newton hits Janu for three touchdowns. There will be weeks where he hits uh, Hunter Henry for two. There will be weeks where he hits none of them for zero. Uh, it's 
it's, you know, home run or strikeout type of behavior with tight ends there in New England. Now that makes for a situation where you can use them on a week to week basis and try to win yourself a week. Um, because I do think the Patriots will play in prime time. Uh, but on, on most weeks, I would say that, uh, you know, I would avoid this division as a whole. Unfortunately, I know I've been a pessimist so far with the tight end rankings, but you know, let's move on. Let's, let's try to get more positive here. How about the AFC North? Uh, let's start with Shedig. Shedig, you got anybody from the AFC North you want to talk about? Honestly, I think the star guy to look at here is Mark Andrews. I know that's an easy say, but I think he kind of had a down year last year, and that really wasn't his fault. It was more of a Lamar Jackson thing and the offense and figuring themselves out again, and they finished strong, which is something you always want to see in an offensive player. I think that they're going to start strong again, and I could definitely see Austin Hooper going back up into the top three tight ends this year. Top three? Wow, that's really high. But, all right, Max, yeah. what do you think? So I I have to – I'm going with Shedick's answer. It's it's Mark Andrews. Now, Mark Andrews is not going to be available in the 15th round. He is going to drop further than he should because he only played in 14 games last season, only scored seven touchdowns. But keep in mind, like every two games, Mark Andrews – like if you take 100 yards and a touchdown, and that's that's what he did on average – uh, every two games. So every game he averaged 50 yards and a half a touchdown across 14 games. And for tight ends, it's tough to beat, you know, like it's, to me, it's, he's a guy that if you are chasing tight ends, he should go in the fifth or sixth round. And I bet you hangs around till the eighth or ninth. Um, if he falls any further than that, I might have to break my own rule, but everybody else in this division, I don't love. There, there are other interesting options in this division because Austin Hooper with the, with the Browns could be very interesting. I think that's still kind of an option for Baker Mayfield every time he's trying to throw the ball. Um, if you want a late round, 15th round guy that is, nobody's going to be thinking about, Pat Fryermuth. Interesting guy. He's really? an hometown guy out of Penn State, 6'5", 260. Actually, pretty uh, pretty athletic. So you might want to look out for Pat Fryermouth. I wanted to go with Hooper. I did. I really did. I think there's too many math. Like, he's the highest paid tight end in the NFL still right now. Uh, right? But, like, there's too many mouths to feed there. And, honestly, their yeah. backup tight end, Harrison Bryant, he's awesome. He's fantastic. They didn't need to pay Austin Hooper. Because they've got two running backs that they feed constantly, two wide receivers that demand targets constantly. And, you know, they still have David Njoku is still on the roster. Yeah, he won't and be. Njoku's still there. He won't yeah. be. I, I, he'll, uh, there's no I way. I agree with the too many mouths to feed. You want, if you're going to spend a high draft pick on a tight end, you better make sure he is the main mouth. And Njoku right. could be a starter in the AFC South on any team, I think. Agreed, and I think and I think he would be draftable on any team uh, there. But but yeah, no. So the guy I'm going to take is Ebron. I think as far as consistency is concerned, um, Ebron, you're working with the same quarterback in Big Ben. Uh, You know what Big Ben likes to look for, you know, in the end zone. We knew that with Heath Miller. 
Uh, we knew that with Vance McDonald. We knew that with all the Pittsburgh tight ends. And Ebron had the most touchdowns of any tight end going into last year uh, over the last three years. So um, he is a touchdown machine. He likes to, you know, absorb that uh, those those receptions in, in the red zone. So um, if you're looking for safety, if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for somebody who is probably not going to get you 20 points but could get you uh, 10 on a weekly basis, Eric Ebron is definitely your guy and somebody that you could have – later in the draft, end of the draft type person. So, um, yeah, Eric Ebron would be my guy there. All right, let's go. You're, you're going to make your tight end pick Eric? Eric? You're going to give the company to Eric? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I know you like it, Mr. Steelers fan. I, I, I would expect <laughs> you to like it. Um, AFC West, the tight end riches. Um, they are the... Uh, Republicans of tight ends. They are holding on to them and they are not letting go for any reason. This is the richest tight end division in the league. Max, tell me who you like here. Ah, there's so many good tight ends in this division. It drives me crazy. But there's one to me who could fall to a reasonable price. Um, it's not Darren Waller. It's not Travis Kelsey. It's New Chargers tight end Jared Cook. <laughs> okay. I'm all about I'm all about Jared Cook this season. I, be, so Jared Cook, first of all, the Chargers were working with their same quarterback this season, someone who could potentially be elite. Um, 130 targets to tight ends last season. And of all tight ends in the NFL with 50 plus targets last season, only Gronk had more yards per reception than Jared Cook. Jared Cook had 13.6 yards per reception last year with the Saints. Travis Kelsey had 13.5. Jared Cook, I mean, we know the Chargers are going to sling it, man. They've got a gunslinger, and Jared Cook is a guy that can go deep, that can catch the deep ball, that can get yards after catch. He's old. He's a really boring name playing on like the fourth team. We've expected him to be fantasy relevant on, but this might be the best fantasy situation he's been in period like ever. So I think Jared cook is a real good breakout candidate um, taking over for Hunter Henry there in LA for the charges. God, I hate Jared cook. I, I know. hate Jared cook. Nobody's excited by Jared cook. No one's excited by Jared cook, especially in this division. Go ahead. Shedding. Tell me something. About I, I, somebody like, else. I, I think that's a great pick because I think that Jared cook is a very good talented tight end that has been on teams that had too many mouths to feed and it was not his fault at all what his stats were it was just a matter of how the offense was run and how how many talented people are around him and in this division there are amazing tight ends and i'm sure he sees that as a competitor because you have travis kelsey and uh darren waller and noah fant i mean those guys any of those guys are great tight ends yeah. depending on where you take them. I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller are obviously top top two tight ends from last year. I have no reason to not repeat basically as that. Uh, even though Kelsey is surrounded by talent, he's still the focal point of that offense. Uh, Darren Waller is surrounded by nobody else, so he is definitely the focal point of that offense. And Noah Fant is the safety blanket for a terrible QB, whoever is under center. So, you really can't go that wrong in this division. 
Um, Jared Cook is the new guy, but he's like, just like Max said, is going to be running routes for a premier gunslinger that we'll probably be watching for the next 10 plus years, uh, just killing it out there. So it, it's an exciting division for tight ends for sure. Um, if you want to spend an early pick, obviously, like I said, Kelsey, no fan, Jared Cook, you might be able to steal late. Okay. When we're talking about this division, uh, Travis Kelsey would have been wide receiver four. And in other leagues, wide receivers are the gold standard for what fancy football is. Uh, they're drafted in the first round, they're drafted or late in the first round, second round, you know, et cetera. Um, Travis Kelsey would have been wide receiver four. Darren Waller would have been wide receiver uh, seven. Just a few names that they scored more points than them last year. How about Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, Amari, uh, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Terry McLaurin. All those people scored behind the two tight ends from this league. So when we're talking about value... Um, there's a huge cliff drop-off after these two guys. And they're in the same division. But the person that I'm going to talk about today, because we've talked enough about Kelsey, is going to be uh, Darren Waller. So Darren Waller is the person that you're going to get for value. Maybe a round or two behind Travis Kelsey. And maybe, maybe, if you're lucky, can eclipse Kelsey this year and become the number one tight end in the league. The talent we saw from Darren Waller last year was immense. I mean, the guy can catch pretty much any ball thrown to him in any part of the field. The reason that Travis Kelsey is so successful and the reason that he's number one, and not saying that Travis Kelsey is not a talented tight end, because of course he is, but you got Tyreek Hill, you've got, uh, you know, you had Nicole Hardman, you have Sammy Watkins, you have... Uh, probably the best talented quarterback in the league that can make throws. I mean, how many balls did Travis Kelsey catch last year because Mahomes was scrambling for his life back in the pocket and found Kelsey over the middle for seven, eight yards uh, or even 20 yards, you know, whatever. Derek Carr doesn't have that kind of talent, but I think Darren Waller does. And I think Darren Waller with that kind of potential can come out and and break out to be the number one tight end in the league. That's why I'm saying Darren Waller would be the guy out of this division for me uh, to come out and draft, whether it be the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, something earlier than last year. Um, when I think in our league, he was taken in the fifth round, which we thought was kind of early. And I know a bunch of people sneered at that. Darren Waller is... Um, the Antonio Gates of our day, which I say, uh, our day, you know, we're, we are in our thirties and Antonio Gates was the Antonio Gates of our day. And obviously, um, you know, he, he lasted a good long time. I only think he's only been retired two or three years, but, uh, again, I digress. I think Darren Waller is the guy in this division. I think he's the guy that's going to score the most points. 
And uh, I think that he's worth the value that you can get in that third or fourth round. So, uh, but that that's enough the AFC. Let's not talk about the AFC anymore. We're, we're past the AFC. Let's not move on the NFC. Uh, the NFC South, to be specific. Max, tell me somebody from the NFC South that you are looking at. Okay, so my pick for the NFC South is similar to the AFC South. I might be reaching a little bit because I want man hurts to, to be good. I want him to be a successful tight end. So I can say man hurts uh, a lot. And so in the NFC South, what I want is the Darnold to Dan Arnold connection. Oh, good. I I'm want it, and I want it real it. bad, okay? Yeah. Like – Donald is now the quarterback of the Panthers. Donald is now the quarterback of the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers also signed ex-Arizona Cardinal Dan Arnold to mm. a two-year $6 million contract. And Dan Arnold was pretty damn good last season for Arizona. He was by far their best tight end. Um, he had himself 31 receptions, averaged 14.1 yards per reception, which is Again, smaller sample size, but more than Kelsey, more than Jared Cook, more than anybody that had at least 50-plus targets. Um, so small sample size, he looked pretty good, had a pretty good quarterback, probably didn't hurt. Uh, but more important than that, so Dan Arnold is a, a quality tight end. He also averaged 5.6 yards after the catch, which to me is phenomenal for uh, what I'm picturing Dan, or Dan Arnold to be. Um, which in my mind is just the whitest guy in the league behind maybe smush face Sam Darnold. But Ooh. more importantly than that, um, Sam Darnold last season, and part of this is because the Jets had a bad offensive line, but the Panthers don't have a great O-line either. Sam Darnold's top three receivers in targets last season all had an average depth of target under eight yards. Darnold is not Mr. Chuck at deep. Darnold is, is trying to dink and dunk his way down the field. He's going to be able to do that really well with Christian McCaffrey, but he's also working with a couple of burners on the outside with DJ Moore and the good one. And I don't know why Robbie I'm, Anderson with then Robbie Anderson. Uh, actually, DJ Moore is probably the good one out of those two. Either way, yeah. there, are, there are a couple of burners burning down the field. He's going to be dumping it off to McCaffrey for at least 80 or 90 receptions. But Dan Arnold, to me, fits in this plan. It fit, he fits to me as a guy that can run out there six yards on a button hook, uh, do a quick little little slant, little safety valve when Darnold gets in trouble for him to dump off and you know try and get a little bit closer for second down or get a little bit closer for third down or just or just uh, you know get the first on third and two. I think Dan Arnold is is in line to get a ton of receptions. Maybe not a whole lot of touchdowns given. You know, Christian McCaffrey exists, but I like Dan Arnold for over 50 receptions this year, which to me, it, that makes him a starting tight end, hands down, sure. in fantasy. Okay. Shattuck? I agree with everything that Max was saying, because I think that really opens up the uh, door to a, you know, a sequel to Multiplicity where Tom Arnold is the main character and it's just Tom Arnold's everywhere. Oh, and, you know, you know, I think that wow. that'd be really funny. I think that could really work. Maybe a that's not where yeah. I saw this going. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that could that could really work out in uh, Carolina. You know, uh, they have good uh, tax breaks for filming. So, 
I didn't, I didn't expect a Tom Arnold reference. I didn't expect I, a Tom yeah, Arnold. I reference. didn't see it coming. That's, I, I mean, that's all I was imagining. I thought we were on the same page here. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, because personally, in the NFC South, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Kyle Pitts or Gronk, really, because Kyle Pitts is really exciting. And I, there's definitely guys in our league, especially that love rookies so that he might go a little earlier than he should, but he might be a top five guy who knows because Atlanta's defense is still Atlanta's defense. They're terrible. And they, and Matt Ryan just lost Julio, jo- Julio Jones throw too. So he Pitts could be amazing. You never know. He could, he could also have a rookie a learning curve as well. And in that place, I mean, you do have Gronk. It's kind of a, if you don't care about tight ends, you could take Gronk late because there are so many mouths to feed around Gronk, and that's the biggest problem with him. Um, to me, I would take Kyle Pitts just because uh, Calvin Ridley and uh, who's the other wide receiver there? And, uh, and you got Falcon. Gage and you've got... Yeah, Russell, uh... Russell Gage. They're both very good, but, I mean, at some point, I think that... Uh, and Kyle Pitts is going to get uh, demand a lot of targets, so I, I, I think I, he's a very safe bet. That if you're not going to be in the first tier of taking tight ends, somewhere around the middle or end of the second tier, if you, you, Kyle Pitts should be there to take. Yeah, how no, early I, does he go? It depends on when the second tier starts. That that it's all about draft flow. It, it, if you see that the first tier is going to go at some point and it'll be gone very quickly, you're either start it or right behind it and that's it and then the second one will start maybe about three rounds later and it'll it'll be about eight six picks long or so and then it'll be gone and that's it what's fun to me is that rookie tight ends like literally never work out they never never ever work out but kyle pitts is the highest regarded tight end that we've talked about uh, fantasy wise in a long long time i mean this is somebody who is he's drafted top 10 somebody that they talked about that could be play, line up at receiver um he's so dominant uh and so and he's coming in at a place that's julio jones is creating this huge crater of receptions that needs to be filled so kyle pitts could he be the next darren waller Maybe not this year, but going on next year. Could it be this year? I don't know. But, I mean, somebody's going to take the risk and go out and do that. Me, personally, I'm not going to. I'm going to go with a guy named Adam Troutman for New Orleans. And this is, like, legit my backup plan to Waller and Kelsey and whatever, I will sit on Adam Troutman till the very end because I really think Adam Troutman could be somebody who's a really talented uh, tight end that can really sit over the middle, kind of like a Kelsey, and catch balls uh, that you know of in gaps that were not supposed to be there. But because you have Michael Thomas and because you have uh, you know Traquan Smith and stuff on the outside, um, there's going to be open spots. Also, uh, I mean, what have we seen out of Jameis Winston in the past? Jameis Winston loves to hit tight ends. I mean, we saw it with O.J. Howard a few years ago. 
Um, we've seen it in the past with, with other tight ends uh, when he had Cameron Bray and whatnot. Um, it, he has connection there. Adam Troutman's going to be dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. Uh, he's going to be somebody that nobody looks at and you can get him, like you said, near the last round. I think that that Saints offense, everybody thinks Drew Brees is gone. Saints are in rebuilding mode. James Winston is a joke. He's trash. It's whatever. There's a reason they play Taysom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If, if, if uh, last time we saw James Winston start or really dominate a quarterback position, uh, he dominated fantasy. He was a top five fantasy quarterback. Uh, he's coming to a team with a top five fantasy running back and a top five fantasy receiver. Throw a tight end in there. You can get him late in the rounds. Am I speaking Japanese to you? Come on. This is not this is not crazy. Uh, you, you mentioned Adam Troutman and Travis Kelsey like in the same comparison. You're like, it can be an, a, a Travis Kelsey. It could be. It could, it could be. be. <laughs> I am very, very, very high. There's a lot on of Adam Troutman. around Adam Troutman that he would have to surpass to be a Travis Kelsey. You gotta he feed the Troutman. He's yeah. got I'm big on fish people. So name another fish person. Uh, in the NFL. Yeah. Um, Eric Fisher, uh, left tackle. Damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric big, on, Fisher. big on fish people. He's, he's got Eric Fisher and trout man. That's it. Oh, you think I'll get back with you. Some more fish people. <laughs> MLB. I got a whole list. Um, but, but yeah, no. Uh, let's move on to the NFC East. I know this isn't, uh, again, this isn't like a tight end of riches division, uh, but let's keep it going. NFC East, Max, you got anybody? Oh, I know. I, I, one of you likes Logan Thomas. The other one doesn't like Logan Thomas. I'm pro Logan Thomas, personally. Mm. I like him. Uh, he was sixth in tight end fantasy points last season with bad quarterbacks. And, like, I'm not saying Alex Smith was always a bad quarterback, but last year he was a bad quarterback. All the quarterbacks that the Washington football team used last year was bad. were bad. I don't think anyone can argue that Fitz is a bad quarterback. Uh, Washington football team still does not have a ton of weapons. You know, they've got uh, – Scary Terry. They have Scary Terry. They've got the running game. You know, and that's that's fantastic. I'm I'm very excited uh, to see that develop around Antonio Gibson this season. They signed Curtis Samuel, who I think is fine, but ultimately, like this isn't a Buccaneers situation. This isn't a oh, well, they got to feed like like Scary Terry could get 90 receptions this year easily. Curtis Samuel could get 70 receptions this year easily, but like. I'm not worried about Cam Sims stealing a lot of receptions from Logan Thomas. I think he's going to be a volume guy in a functional offense this year. They were a bad offense last year with some crazy McLaurin and Antonio Gibson highlights. I like Logan Thomas as a low end, a cheap, get him in the teen rounds guy who might be the he might end up the season sixth or seventh in the NFL and tight end fantasy points again. Might be boring. Might not. Might usually get you seven or eight or nine points a week. Not have a bunch of big hundred yard games, but he's going to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. Ex quarterback Logan Thomas, by the way. Um, 
that actually was came to the NFL as a quarterback. Somebody that uh, I remember playing Madden and being like, "Wow, this is a fifty-something quarterback, not not good." But uh, for the Bills, yeah. But uh, now a a decent tight end. Shetty, do you have any thoughts on this division? It's an interesting division for tight ends. Uh, you know, it's it's not the best by any standards, but. I do think that Evan Ingram is due for a bounce back. I think that <laughs> old Giants offense is due for a bounce back. If Saquon can come back as Saquon, then the whole ship will be right. It's all, it, it's all based on that. It's all based on Saquon being Saquon. If that can happen, then Daniel Jones won't be a little bitch. And if he's not a little bitch, then he'll actually be able to throw the ball and not fall flat on his face. And it'll most of it will be to Evan Ingram in the red zone. I think he could be a late second tier pick that you, you could definitely, or if, even if you're not in the second tier of, of tight end picks, you could wait till later and, and probably get him because he has had injury issues and he's had just Daniel Jones issues, basically, which the whole offense has had Daniel Jones issues. So it's not really his fault. It's um, Daniel Jones' fault. But he just needs a lot of help in the name of Saquon Barkley. So, like I said, if Saquon Barkley can carry the entire offense, Evan Ingram can be very well, very good. So, uh, that if you're not going to spend a high draft pick on a tight end, that can be a decent garbage pick that if you have to throw it away, then throw it away. Which, I mean, obviously, most of the you know Giants offices should be thrown away, but that's the prerogative. Yeah, I, I disagree with the Evan Ingram pick. And not only because I, I do think Evan Ingram's talented. I do. I really think that the, the addition of Galladay and stuff like that really gives him a, a good uh, opportunity to be a really good tight end. The problem is Evan Ingram can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy more than like four weeks at a time, five weeks at a time. And one of the biggest things that can kill you in fantasy, whether it be quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, kid, no matter what, is injuries. We can talk till we're blue in the face about who is ranked higher and who is the best. But if somebody has a history of injuries, they are useless. They are absolutely worthless. And Evan Ingram is, seems to be beat up in different spots every single year. And it just... Uh, one of those things where eventually you have to give up on somebody and just say, eh, it's not going to happen. Uh, we've seen this with Tyler Eifert. We've seen this with other people who are high ranked tight ends in the past. Um, if you can't stay healthy, then you're useless to us in fantasy. Uh, I'm going to talk about Dallas Goddard. Uh, we're going to see Zach Ertz go somewhere. Probably. I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, you know, I just don't think that, uh, they think that Packard in Buffalo. Yeah, he's in Buffalo. He went somewhere. Good sure, Goddard, main guy. So good. Did you? Did Wait, is, went, Ertz went to Buffalo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that it was official. I thought they were just looking at him. My bad. I feel like a. I feel like a fool. I'm embarrassed. But uh, Dallas Goddard is the guy in uh, in Philadelphia, and and Dallas Goddard was a tight end that we talked about as being tight end. 14 background of uh you know tight ends that should be owned as a second tight end the only second tight end in the nfl uh that we thought in the past few seasons that should be owned and started in our fantasy leagues now he's number one uh jalen hurts is gonna be looking for 
you know, safety blankets over the next few years, playing some pretty solid defenses and pretty solid linebacking crews um, over the next few years. And, and, and I think that Dallas Goddard is going to be somebody who averages four or five catches a game, 60 to 70 yards a game, and uh, gets his fair share of touchdowns. I think that Goddard is a top 10 tight end, somebody that we really need to look at um, as somebody that's going to be good, not only this year, but going forward for the next three or four years. Um, again, he's not on the, the scale of Waller and, and Kelsey and, you know, maybe Kittle and all them, but he is somebody that if you're going to talk, if we're talking about like 11th, 12th, 13th round, then we're talking about somebody that you definitely have to consider. And so Goddard is my guy uh, for this division for sure. Can I, uh, can I drop a random tight end stat? Sure. Drop it in. So, so uh, there's a, a stat that's passer rating on passes when targeted for receivers. Uh, basically it's, it's separate from drops. It's separate from yards after catch. It's just kind of an aggregated thing. When quarterbacks target a specific receiver, this is their passer rating. And the worst tight end in this stat, which in order to qualify for this stat, you have to have at least 25 targets over a 16-game pace. Um, so, like, if you had, I don't know, like four targets in one week, but you only played one week, you would still be on the list. So, like, Julian Edelman is on this list, and he only played in, in one game that he started. So, right. worst tight end on this list is Zach Ertz. And he had a, a passer rating of 50.4 when he was targeted. So he was obviously really bad. Second worst tight end on this list, it's Evan Ingram by a mile. Evan Ingram also led the NFL in drops by a tight end. Terrible. He's awful, and I hate him. Um, so he's due for a bounce back. As, as far as receivers in the NFL who on passes to them, the passes ended up getting intercepted. He was the number one tight end, six interceptions thrown when targeting Evan Ingram. They used to call Ebron brick hands, okay? I still I call mean, him brick hands. Evan Ingram you was, talked him up earlier. Evan Ingram yeah. is one of the fastest, most so, athletic tight ends in the league. Right. He's just a bad receiver. He's a great tight end to have in Madden, and that's it. That's the last I'll say about him. I've, I'm washing my hands of Evan Ingram. I hate him. Okay. Well, Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a good addition to the NFC East conversation. Got a little heated there. We didn't mention any Cowboys. And I did mention Dalton Schultz was fifth in receptions in the NFL. But that's year. because Dak wasn't there. And so the, the chumps Man. that were playing and quarterback you, were like, where's my tight end? Ah! And you had a Blake Jarwin oh, injury. injury. Like, you know, it'll be no interesting. I, I, guys, I am like craving the fall. I am craving cooler weather. I am craving you know, Halloween and the holidays and whatever. And I'm, and it's weird. And maybe I'm just being just, I don't know. It's because I've had a few drinks or what, but I'm, I'm craving Cowboys football. I miss the Cowboys. I miss the, the good Cowboys football with, you know, different tight ends, Jason Witten and, and whatever. And so um, it would be good to see the Cowboys come back and be good. We don't know if they will um, obviously, but uh but yeah, you know, that's something we didn't really discuss, nor did we discuss, you know, football team in 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 uh, in, in extent. But I talked about know. Logan Thomas. I like Logan okay. Thomas. Okay, all right, all right, all right. NFC North. 
Uh, Shedig, tell me about the NFC North. What do you think? Pretty interesting. You know, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers decides to play football for the Packers this year, Tanyan's a great option. If Jordan Love plays, Tanyan might still be a decent option. It's a little bit more of a question mark, but, uh, you know, I don't expect Jordan Love to be, you know, slinging slinging it to the outside as much as some normal quarterback would be. So he could still be valuable. TJ Hawkinson to me takes a big hit with Jared Goff. I just think that Jared Goff was a huge benefactor of being in a extremely well managed and schemed offense in LA and in the in Detroit. They're just used to having Matthew Stafford do everything and the head coach is like, just go out there and bite people's knees off. What are you doing, Jared Goff? Like, Jared Goff's going to be like, I don't know, man. Like, that's not going to be conducive to a good offense. Sounds like, like Jared Goff. I don't, I He's don't been working on that Jared Goff impression. Like, In front of the mirror. Like, that's going to be the sideline of every single game. That's that. That's not what you want to be watching for, like, oh, man, I hope my offense goes out there and scores a touch off. They fucked up. All right. Oh. So. Yeah, that's that's gonna be every drive for the Lions. I feel like so. I don't want any part of that. I, I feel like Hawkins is gonna take a big hit. To me, right now, a late steal that could be great is Cole. Met. Oh, Cole uh, Komet. Cole, you, you just call him Met? I think it's Komet. The, the K right? is silent. I don't think the K is silent. No, the K is silent. It's a the K is silent. Not not anymore. Okay, not anymore. I've oh, always no. said okay, even Come last year. And I like Cole Komet, but I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna say Met. No, I'm not gonna do that. I think the K is silent. It's I'm but gonna say Komet. Komet. Agree to disagree. I know who you're talking about, though. But uh, I think he could actually be a steal in the 15th or 16th round. I think he could be one of those very late round guys that uh, could be a great safety blanket for. Uh, Andy Dalton, who's probably not going to start for that long, but for Justin Fields, who uh, will uh, probably need at least one person to throw to when he's not trying to run to every single play. Yeah, I can uh, I can agree with you there for sure. I, I think that uh, you know Cole Komet as a number two last year caught a lot of balls and uh, you know really tempted me to start him at tight end. Uh, even though he was starting behind Jimmy Graham, Max, do you have any thoughts on this division? I have two thoughts. One, I'm going to give one little blurb about Tunyon. Okay, we I talked about that that stat, the uh, passer rating on passes when targeted. Right. I want to know who number one person on this list above wide receivers, above everybody. I, I would think it's Tunyon because he caught 53 out of 59 balls for, and with 11 touchdowns, so it was like pretty efficient. It's Bobby Tunyon. That's who it is. He, you know, he was incredibly efficient, just worth noting. I, however, also wanted to talk about Cole Komet. I was really upset. I was like, man, I was upset. I want to talk about Komet. That's how you say his name. But Shay's talking about, uh, talking about Met. Different guy. I think, it, I think it's Met, you know. <laughs> my, my reason behind Cole Komet, um, first of all, I made money off his first touchdown last season. So that was great. Anytime touchdown? Did we all bet that? I think we all bet that, yeah. Okay. Well, I was really happy about it. <laughs> I don't think so, that. 
I was not aware we all bet that. Um, sure. Yeah. Where's my, my money? However, my reason for because he was pretty hot for a while. I think it was like uh, twenty to one or something for a little bit, and then it's like, holy shit, they really throw to Cole Komet. Let's go him to take him down to five. That's the thing. No, the, and his first touchdown, it was like twenty two hundred. It was like plus yeah. twenty two hundred, and I bet Cole Komet. I was like, I'll throw ten dollars on this, like three because games they were in a throwing row. to him like four or five times a game, and it's like, yeah. okay, this is not your regular, you know, two tight end set kind of person. This is somebody they run you know, receiving routes on often. So you couldn't even get Vegas to watch bears games. That's why that's how that happened. So the reason I like Cole commit and you touched on it earlier uh, last season, Dalton Schultz was sixth in the NFL in tight end targets, you know, like that's, that's a shitload of tight end targets. And it has nothing to do with Dalton Schultz being good at football and everything to do with Dalton targeting tight ends like crazy. Um, he kept some tight ends in business, like guys that were not relevant from a skill perspective whenever he was in Cincinnati, and he still had good receivers. So I, I think the Bears O-line gives him reason to get let go of the ball quickly. I think he still dinks and dunks like he does in the olden days. And just from a pure volume perspective, I think Cole Komet gets a healthy amount of targets this season. To me, he's one of those guys. He is on my list of it's the last round of the draft. I'm good and drunk. I like my roster. I only have one slot left to fill and it's tight end. And I'm choosing between him and Dan Arnold. And I'm flipping a coin, you know, cause Ooh, I like them. Both. Darnold to Darnold. Okay. You don't want the multiplicity two sequel. I think that's pretty tricky. I don't know. The Tom Arnold thing kind of, kind of set me back. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that multiplicity is not, that's not it, Tom Arnold. It's not Tom it's Arnold. Not I know, but if, the, if they made a sequel, it'd be better with Tom Arnold. No, I think it'd be awful. I love multiplicity when he's like Doug, Doug. Yeah, it's great, but uh, but no, I, you know, um, I, 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 think that, I had to think back to multiplicity. I'm like, was like was was Tom Arnold like a neighbor in that movie? Or I can't something? think of. I don't think so. Tom Arnold was no, in. No, 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 Tom Arnold's just—I don't know. Um, I just always think of him as the husband of Roseanne. Hey, married Roseanne. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about Irv. Um, I think Irv Smith, and I think you guys agree with this, but uh, I just gave you the notes on Irv, and so Irv. you guys were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you're going to talk about Irv. I want to talk about Irv. I—that's what I, how I feel because I think Irv is definitely bar none the best tight end in this division above Hawkinson. I think we're all off on Hawkinson because of the whole golf factor, but I think Irv is really good. He killed it for DFS for me last year. I think there was uh, he also got me the two, a uh, two touchdown bonus uh, on Bovada, but uh, Irv, oh. Irv gets targeted. Irv is the man uh, even with Jefferson and Thielen there. Irv gets looks in the red zone. I know Thielen just really got a lot of uh, looks in the red zone, but Kirk Cousins is going to get his share of touchdowns. And, you know, when that offense moves, which it does move sometimes, I know you've watched it, Max, multiple times, uh, you know, being Kirk Cousins over in the past. Um, the tight end gets their share. I know um, Rudolph wasn't really that kind of tight end uh, with that kind of versatility 
where he could stretch the field as much. I think he was more of a possession guy, a guy that ran a lot of crossing routes, et cetera, uh, get those short first downs, et cetera. And Irv Smith is the kind of guy that can get you an 80-yard touchdown. I think Irv Smith is very comparable to Jonu, uh, especially when Jonu was playing in Tennessee, where he can stretch the field and be that number one receiving option that you need. I know they have Jefferson and Thielen, you know, don't get me wrong, but Irv can be that guy over the middle. And this offense, if not for uh, Kirk Cousins and Neptune, could be one of the best in the NFL if they had a decent quarterback. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is the only thing holding them back there. But I think Irv uh, could be a top 10 guy. I mean, we're talking somebody that is, again, I'm not going to push people up into the Waller uh, Kelsey range, but he could be top 10, uh, maybe up to top five if, uh, if we can really get into it. So, uh, really liking Irv going into this, this, uh, this fantasy season. Let's move on to the NFC so West wait, or last division. Go ahead. I, uh, I figured out the role that we are all most familiar with Tom Arnold from, and I'm just going to give you the line. It's, there you go, buddy. You show that turd who's boss. Oh, yeah. Who does number two work Who for? Work for? <laughs> it's, it's literally his only line in that movie. I know. Or that, what did you eat? Yeah. yeah. How about a courtesy yeah. flush in there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. He had a couple good lines in yeah, that movie. Right? Like, yeah, come on. The guy's multi-talented. He, he deserved an Oscar. Yeah. He's got a lot of poop humor. Come on. Should have won right. the Oscar. <laughs> good, good poop humor. All right. NFC West, our last division. Thank you guys for making it all the way through. But it is football season. It is coming. And yes, this is not IDP. Yes, this is not kicker. This is tight end. We're getting into the, the real deal, the real, you know, uh, thickness of the uh, fantasy analysis. So let's talk to the NFC West. Max, tell me, NFC West, who do you like? Max is going to go with Max Williams. Ooh, okay. Wow. Ma- Max Williams. That's a lot of X's. Is, well, it's, you know what? Uh, that To me, I, I'm hoping with each X comes more tight end talent because I'm just Max. Okay. And I've been on the podcast talking tight end for two years now. This guy's Max. He's got two X's. That means he's out there scoring touchdowns. I don't know. That's a reach. It's a, but yeah. he's taking. Dan Arnold's spot in on the Cardinals roster. You know what I mean? There isn't anybody competing with Max Williams for those targets. Don't get me wrong. The Arizona Cardinals have a lot of, you could say they have a lot of mouths to feed. I actually, uh, did I read correctly? Is AJ Green on the Cardinals now? Yes. So the Cardinals, they've got a lot going on in their receiver room between DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. None of those guys, to me, seem like little five-yard dump-offs, at least well, not for the most part. I mean, well, it's not Larry. I don't think Larry's there anymore. So, Oh, did Larry retire finally? I'm pretty sure Larry retired, yeah. Uh, that Larry good for him. Unfortunately, but he could still dominate the league if he wanted. Oh, my God. Praters on the Cardinals? Oh, this changes but everything. Did you see that the that Larry invested in the Suns? So he has a, a he's a part owner of the Suns. So good for him making the God, NBA I, finals. I, I, just, I love Larry. That's probably why they made it. Yeah. Larry's good. 
Oh, it says Larry's still undecided. So, I mean, he may still be there, but the fact is they got A.J. Green, so Larry's no more than a fourth receiver, maybe fifth receiver. I could um, see A.J. Green not making our roster if we're being broken. Really? Yeah. Larry well, making the roster over A.J. Green? I, make it, I, I could, guess it has to be. Uh, well, I, it has to be because Larry can block. Larry does a lot of things that aren't just catching the ball. And to this day, I mean, like he could still put up decent wide receiver numbers. He's not going to put up gaudy wide receiver numbers, but he's also not going to drop the ball. Um, plus, they still have young Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, and drafted super speedy wide receiver Rondale Moore. So yeah. I could see AJ Green not making this roster even without. But that aside, I like Max Williams because I've never heard of Daryl Daniels or Ross Travis, and you need that little safety over the middle route. He is going to be in a really good offense that's going to live in the red zone, I think. I like, I like and love – the Arizona Cardinals team in general this year is fantastic. Their Chase Edmonds, James Conner running back combination is going to be a huge headache for fantasy, and – there's going to be games where you're like, oh, man, DeAndre Hopkins. No, you know what? He's still going to be the number one receiver in fantasy. You're always going to be happy with him. But I think Max Williams can just be a little, uh, little um, like, what's the what's the thing on the side of a ship? Sticks on a ship? A little barnacle? Yeah, barnacle. That's, he can look, he can that's be not little, why we brought you on, though, to talk about barnacles. We don't care about barnacles. Max Williams is going to be the barnacle on this ship. He's just going to hang on. And uh, and go to to the sea. I hope all the people listening are like, hmm, Max Williams, and they get their notepad out and they go, two X's. Max. <laughs> Did he say barnacle? He mm. said barnacle. Color me intrigued. Moving him up. Uh, Shedding, <laughs> what do you have besides Max Williams? Well, I mean, that was a very interesting sea shanty from the Max Barnacle there. I appreciate that <laughs> anecdote. That was very nice. Um, but I, I think Tyler Higby this year. I mean, obviously you have Kittle in the MC West. Yes, he's a monster. Uh, if, he does, if he stays healthy, he's top three, no questions asked. Uh, but Tyler Higby this year I think could be huge. I, I, I think going with uh, Stafford over there at the Rams, with what he did with Hawkinson last year, I think that Higby could be a, a monster and somebody that you could steal and probably the very end of the second tier of uh, tight end drafts in the draft. So it'd be very nice uh, jump for his stats this year with Stafford. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about Gerald Everett uh, for Seattle. Now Seattle tight ends usually aren't people that we like to talk about. Um, They, I mean, we've talked about Olsen in the past. Uh, They've had a litany of different tight ends who have just come and gone. They disappeared. Uh, Gerald Everett, though, is a receiving tight end. He's receiving first tight end. He's played behind Higby there in L.A. He knows that division, and he's got Russell Wilson behind him. I think this guy, I'm being 100% honest, could be a double-digit tight end or double-digit touchdown guy, kind of like Tanyan was Tunyon was uh this past year now he's not going to be the thousand yard guy i don't think he's not going to be the waller he's not going to be the dominant guy but you get in that red zone we're talking about running backs who in the past have been a little bit inconsistent uh dk and tyler lockett are usually receivers who catch the big balls the big uh the big time touchdowns 
Gerald Everett might be a red zone target that uh, that Russell Wilson really uh, craves. And so Gerald Everett might be somebody that you don't you might not get at the very end because he might be snagged prior to then. Um, but somebody in those mid to late rounds that that is pretty attractive because to me, Gerald Everett was a streaming guy, a DFS guy, somebody that you looked at on a daily basis if uh, you know LA was playing in, in prime time. And I think if he is going to be a starting guy and he's going to suck up targets on a week-to-week basis, he is worth rostering for sure. And so I'm going to talk about Gerald Everett. Um, and I'm not just joking just because this is a weak tight end division because it very much is uh, besides Kittle. Obviously, nobody's talking about Kittle. Uh, Kittle coming back is going to be a top five tight end. And we're not really mentioning him a lot, but he is somebody you need to think about. Trust me, a third ranked tight end going into the draft. Um, Gerald Everett is is somebody that you definitely need to consider going into next year because uh, he's he's going to be good. He's going to catch some touchdowns. And and like I said, I think he's pushing triple digits. But all right, guys. Hey, wait. Fun stat. These tight ends. Go I've ahead. got a fun, Go ahead. fun, Go fun ahead. stat about Gerald Everett. Sure. Uh, didn't have as many drops as Evan Ingram, but the highest drop percentage of all tight ends in the league last season, 11.3% of passes that hit him in the hands he dropped mm. so droppy droppy guy okay droppy guy. okay understandable when it's come from Derek Goff, i guess uh max williams barnacle don't forget <laughs> okay all right um but hey it was great to talk to you guys about tight ends if tight ends is like this uh who knows what running backs wide receivers and quarterbacks are going to be it's going to be insane um i enjoyed talking football with you i'm getting pumped uh, is there anything you guys want to leave us with before we go, uh, Shedig? Nothing. Just it was a great tight end conversation. I think that you know they. It is definitely one of the biggest tier positions that, like, if you're not in the first one, which is very small, there's a second tier of guys, and after that, yeah, you're you're playing the max game and yeah. round. All right, Max. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for fantasy football season. I'm happy. It's baseball season right now. It's just a, we're past the, the sad part of the year when it comes to sports. I do have a question about, uh, so the draft is most people are flying. Is that what I'm understanding? I believe so. Huck, are we driving? Yeah. Yeah. Is we are a, absolutely going to drive there. Um, we are we caravanning with anybody or? I believe so. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, we can, Definitely discuss that, you know, offline. But uh, but yeah, I think that uh, everybody will get there, and just like any draft, we will we will all be there and have a good time, and it'll be a nice jubilee, just like any draft that uh, everybody has, uh, you know, in August, September, etc. Well, then I uh, just say people should join us. It's gonna be a hell of a road trip. It will be fun. It will be fun. Uh, heading up there talking football all the way that's that's gonna be a good time uh, let me ask you guys a question as we part um and i'll ask you guys about this both separately kelsey waller uh and uh kittle. gosh kittle are, are all taken and you're sitting there needing a tight end at number four who are you taking Number four. Number, four. number four behind Kittle. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, but if I have to make a choice there at number four, it's really tempting to take Kyle Pitts, but I think it's Mark Andrews still. I still think he's the smart play. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Shedig, what do you think? I agree with the Mark Andrews pick, but honestly, if Kelsey Waller and, uh, and Kittle are all gone, I would wait multiple rounds. Because to me, that's oh, the first year that's, that's gone. Ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. But give me your number four. Give me so your number four. Number four would be like three rounds later for me. And yes, it would be Mark either Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts is a nice choice. Uh, if Rogers comes back. Tanyan's not bad. Yeah, I'm agreeing with I'm agreeing with Max on the on the Mark Andrews though. Really, that that probably be my bet just because of how strong the Ravens' offense finished yeah. last year. Yeah, I'm taking Kyle Pitts in that fourth spot, um, and I'm not taking him till real late. And if Kyle Pitts is taken before, then then so be it. Uh, but but yeah, no Kelsey Waller Kittle. And then you're jumping off a cliff into a pool of a bunch of tight ends that you can hope uh, reach that top five. I know we talked about it. We went into depth on it. Uh, everybody make their own decision. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys got something out of this. But thank you, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, we will see you next week when we go over running backs we're going to get really in depth in in running backs and uh and hopefully it will be just as heated as this one uh and with our expert neil neil will actually be here going over that so we look forward to that but all right thank you guys we appreciate it and we will see you guys next week same time same place see ya Hope he's a gentleman Maybe we'll find out what I